Coaches, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. Coach Kevin Furtado. Hey, if you want to know who are the best high school basketball coaches and leaders in our country are, you need to stay tuned and listen to the Championship Vision Podcast. We have some of the most renowned and best high school basketball coaches and PE teachers from around the country. Coaches you might not have heard of, but have amazing ideas. And I firmly believe every coach in America has genius within them. It's not all about the state championships. It's about the impact you have on your kids and your community. So stay tuned to the Championship Vision Podcast. Welcome to episode 226 of the Championship Vision Podcast. Hope everybody had a great Merry Christmas. And welcome back to a new session of the Championship Vision Podcast with Coach Kevin Furtado. Today we have Coach Howard Mayo. Coach Mayo is the head girls basketball coach at Fort Chiswell High School in Max Meadows, Virginia. Coach Mayo has been a head girls basketball coach at five different high schools and have taken three of them to the Elite Eight in Virginia. His teams have been to 10 Sweet 16s and has won over 440 games in his career. Today's topic is winning with relationships and tough defense. So I'm excited to um, kind of learn about how he is running his program based on those two principles. And I think you're really going to learn a lot with Coach Howard Mayo. Howard, welcome to the podcast. Did you get the Google slide thing I sent you? All right, everybody, welcome. This is uh, Coach Kevin Furtado. Welcome back after a holiday. I'm excited. Uh, I, I, I just had two practices with my girls, so I'm excited to talk a little hoops with Coach Howard Mayo. He's the head girls basketball coach at Fort Chiswell High School uh, in Max Meadows, Virginia. Correct, Coach? Yes, sir. Well, welcome to the podcast, episode 226. So I'm excited to learn about your topic of winning with relationships and tough defense because Coach Pete and I really, really believe in those two areas. And again, my co-host, Coach Pete Acock, again, to offer his wonderful words of wisdom. Again, Howard. Hey, Howard, welcome to the podcast. Hey, talk about, you know, how you got into coaching and how now you are transforming the, the kids that you're coaching. Okay. Well, Coach, 
coaches, thank you for having me. I feel honored to be part of this process. Um, I'm always learning. I probably learn as much from y'all as you learn from me tonight. I'm, um, when I was in high school, I started getting recruited to play basketball. I was very fortunate. I played for a guy by the name of Chuck Tester, who was a good high school basketball coach. He could, um, in our high school was, we were the first graduating class who went all four years through the school. And um, Coach Tester went and played his high school basketball, uh, played his college basketball at Milligan. And he just had a good way of building relationships with people. And I just remembered how much I appreciated him. And y'all might recognize a couple of names that who were Coach Tester's college teammates at Milligan. Sonny Smith, who okay. was a legendary coach at Auburn. At Auburn, and, yeah. Uh, VCU. And also is another one of his uh, college teammates was a guy by the name of Del Harris, who was the professional coach of the Los Angeles yeah, Lakers. Absolutely. And they were all about relationships. And I just always remember Coach Tester taking time to talk to me and encourage me. There's a couple times that my parents couldn't take get me home and Coach Tester gave me a ride home. And I was just impressed with his compassion and caring. So, and I, I was fairly, um, you know, I was a six, seven kid. So I had some offers, some different looks. And I decided that I want to go into coaching and teaching. And I think they go hand in hand. If you're going to be a good basketball coach, you better be a good teacher. Mm-hmm, for sure. People better respect you in the classroom, that you do a good job, that you're prepared. And yes. so much of what we do on the basketball floor is teaching. Our tests are game time. But our preparation is the practices where we're teaching our players what we want them to do. So like I said, I was very fortunate. I went on to college. I was recruited by at Bluefield College, a small college out in Southwest Virginia. We were a very successful college during the time I was played there. I played with some great players. I was telling somebody the other day, in my four years, now this wasn't all four years, but at one time or another, I played with eight different people who scored at least a thousand points. Mm-hmm. Okay. We had um, a guy by the name of Todd Hopkins, who was a great scorer. He scored 2,800 points in four years at Bluefield. So, I mean, we played, uh, it was a great experience for me. Coach Becker recruited me and coach um, Blevins came in my sophomore year and really helped elevate our program. And I took a lot of the basketball knowledge I got from coach Blevins. And Coach Blevins also was important. He, um, over the years, has done a great job reaching out to me and keeping our relationship, which I really appreciate. You know, I, I'll get a call from him, a text. Um, sometimes we'll meet somewhere and have a meal together. And that just meant a whole lot to me. And, and you know, if you're around the game of basketball, it's really about relationships, having that chance to make that connection with somebody and encourage them. Because not everybody's going to be a star player, but everybody can be a star person, a quality person who contributes to society. And that's really why I'm in this field. And I'm sure a lot of coaches, and that's why they're in it. Yeah, I totally agree, Coach. And, hey, I want you to talk about uh, this photo is what you sent. Is this your current team? That was last year's team. Last year? Hey, talk about your kids, Coach. This is, um, this is a group from Fort Chisel. This is our first year. When I came in the two previous years, they had won nine games total. Um, okay. So last – and 
there's a proud history at Fort Chiswell. They've had some good success, a couple of different Final Four appearances, uh, numerous district titles. So, but when I came in, I was brought in to help revitalize, re-energize the program. And this group that you see right here did a great job. They came in and bought in. It took us a little while, and Coach Acock alluded to it, to catch on to the nuances of playing tough defense. They were used to being a 2-3 defense, and exactly. we – we went to the pack line, man-to-man, -man, tough. We're going to make everything tough. And at one point that year, this year, we were one and eight. And everybody, you know, but these kids kept showing up, kept getting better. And we finished the year eight and 16, which isn't great. But when you realize that almost equals the victory total of the previous two years, you know that's a good stepping stone. Um, you see a picture here. Yeah. This was our first game that we won uh, when we beat East Montgomery, which was good for the kids. They, um, we got to get better at some basic fundamental offensive things, but defensively, they actually came along really well. Last year, we shot 31% from the floor. Mm -hmm. And what kept us in a lot of our ball games was our tough defense. And one thing that we do, and you know, we break down the game when we're going about it. And I've learned at each stop, my first head coaching job was at Carroll County. And then I learned at each stop, you've got to incorporate and bring in something new. And at Fort Tiswell, we really brought in the family atmosphere. The mascot is a pioneer. Yeah. So um, that was an interesting thing, talking about pioneers and how tough those people had to be. And that was helping us develop that toughness on defense. And, and and don't you agree? Because I, I, one thing I've done, Coach, I, I started a lot of programs. Matter of fact, the program I'm at now, we started from scratch. So I definitely, I want to, I definitely want to hear your wisdom because I think there's a certain mentality of building programs. Some coaches love coming in and taking over great teams. I don't. I love coming in and kind of establishing and building a new culture. You got to have a certain mentality as a coach to do that, right? Oh, most definitely. That you know, as one of my um, my former assistants told me, he says you're a great program builder. And I said, what do you mean by that? He says you go in, you'll take a program that there had you know there's been some success, but they need to fix a couple things. And um, you see right here, this picture here, my favorite uh, restaurant, my favorite restaurant, crack, Cracker Barrel. Cracker Barrel. Barrel. You bet. And what? And, and one of the things I learned along the way was after our season was to sit down with our departing seniors and ask for what they thought our program stood for, mm -hmm. what they really liked about our program, and what they thought our program could do better. And that's great because right there you're getting input. They have nothing to lose. The season's over, but it's still fresh in their minds. And they can tell you, well, I really like this coach or I didn't like this. I really appreciate you taking time and, you know, emphasizing academics, you know, different things like that with them. Um, this group here, you're talking about phenomenal. You have five, they were all in the top 10% of their class. Mm -hmm. You had, in fact, uh, the wow. young lady in the orange shirt was a valid, excuse me, salutatorian. They're all off of uh, four-year schools. 
which is great. But one of the big things I've tried to tell the kids is it doesn't matter if you go to a four-year school or if you go straight into the workforce. We want you to be a good person and give back to the community. Um, this is a great picture right here. This is a set of sisters that I coached. Uh, the one on the very far right, I, she graduated Carroll County in 1996. Her sister graduated Carroll County in 2003. And then the youngest sister graduated uh, Carroll County in 2005. And, you know, just being able to sit down and have conversations with them. And it was funny. They were laughing and saying, Coach Mayo, when we go out to eat with you, we should be doing this more as a family, but we don't always get that opportunity. So they were thankful that we went out and had a meal together. Yeah, I so. love that. Yeah, and I guess over the years, and Pete knows this as well, um, hey, you start creating a legacy of players that you, you start coaching the kids, family members, right? I mean, that, right. that's where I'm now at my point. I have a former player of mine that's my assistant. What a blessing the impact you have as a coach, don't you? Oh, without a doubt. Um, when I was at Galax, I had the opportunity to coach one of my former players from Carroll County, her daughter. And she was a fine young lady. And actually, her, the mom, my former player, was a volunteer assistant for a year. And I love this. This picture right here is probably one of the best players I ever coached. She went on and played at Virginia Tech. But <laughs> she came and watched us play um, – a couple of years ago when I was at Galax, she just came to support us. And it was real, I really appreciate it. And I've got other pictures of other kids who've done that over the years. And sure. that just means so much to me that they think enough to come and watch. And it's always interesting to see what's going on in their lives. Cause you know, as a coach, I love winning, don't get me wrong, but I also love seeing what they're doing. This young lady is now a physical therapist mm -hmm. and um, works with Virginia Tech in rehabbing some of their athletes. Yeah, don't you believe, and, and Pete, I want you to add into this, the, very rarely are they gonna remember like practices or wins, or they're gonna remember all the, all the intangible things in your program, like this funny stuff, particularly with girls. Coach, Coach Pete, talk to Howard about all the things that kids remember from your program. Well, I've uh, coached boys and girls. When I first started coaching, uh, pretty much a lot of the people did coach boys and girls. And uh, boys and girls are different. Girls, pretty much, they either love you or they don't like you at all. <laughs> and uh, if you can't build relationships with girls, I promise you. Now, they're not going to be aggressive about it. They'll be passive aggressive. And uh, you're not going to do very well with those girls. But the very moment they realize that everything that you ask them to do is going to translate into their life later on in a, in a powerful way. I call it just empowering them for life. And uh, girls basketball, I, I can tell you this, I enjoyed coaching girls much more than I, than I did boys. And I like coaching boys. But if you don't have that relationship like you've got with them, after the fact, you probably haven't done it right at all and probably don't need to be coaching. I, I don't ever encourage anybody to stay in coaching. 
you don't coach unless you have to coach. And I know that's the way it was with me. It's almost like some kind of disease. You know, at my age now, somebody asked me the other day, said, are you going to get back in it again? And I said, well, if somebody were to offer me a job, I shouldn't take it, but I probably would. <laughs> and, uh, but I've done it for a long time, but Kevin uh, does all the same things that you do. He spends a lot of time with them off the court, communicating with them off the court. And, um, they build the best relationships in his program of any that I've seen around here. His team's ranked number four in the state now, in the state of Georgia, in their classification. And I go down to see them a lot. But now they play defense like wild people. They really do. They're all over the floor. They're diving on loose balls. They're knocking people down on the rebound. Uh, I, I've always thought that in basketball, if, if you don't win the rebounding war, you're just going to get beat. <laughs> And uh, you got to put a few people on the floor once in a while. Maybe the best thing I just say, you got to get, you're either in the ring to get rebounds or you're not. You know, you're either on the outside watching, gazing, or you're not. And I know I watch Kevin's teams, and I'm telling you, they got those feet in the paint when that ball's shot. Now, when he hits that rim, they go after it. But they're not going to do that for you until you build that right relationship with them. And when you sit down and, and eat with your players, and ask them, just like that meeting you're talking about, you're having to see, I think that's just invaluable. Um, you saying that today, if I had it to go back and do over again, I'd probably meet three or four times with my seniors like that instead of even at the end of the season. But it's those small things that accumulate over a long period of time. Um, and sometimes it's not the best players. I had a kid that played on one of the teams we had that averaged about 94 points a game, and he didn't get to play much. But he was the smartest kid in the school. And he came and told me at the end of the season, said, I need to talk to you, coach. He said, I think you already know this, but I, I want to be a coach. I want to go to Georgia Southern and be a coach. And I never planned it. I just looked at him and I says, Ben, you're too darn smart to be a coach, son. You can't do that. You, you, you're a straight A student. And I said, and he looked at me like I was crazy because I think he thought I would just say, oh, you ought to be a coach. Well, to make a long story short, He's an oral surgeon now, probably making $350,000 a year or whatever it is, you know. Probably more. <laughs> and those are the kind of things that we do when we don't even realize it. We don't even realize it. And there it is. And they come back to you and they talk to you about it. And I don't know. Uh, I call it joy. That thing it creeps over your shoulders, you know, and makes the hair stand up on your arms. And once in a while, it'll bring a tear to your eye. But... No, that stuff you're doing, I, I love every single bit of it. But I'm telling you, young coaches need to understand. I, when I grew up in coaching, they'd say, I don't care whether my players like me or not, as long as they respect me. Well, I found out that's just not true. Just not true. And um, I just enjoy hearing what you're saying. And Kevin does this, and uh, other young coaches need to know what you're talking about. Coach Pete, uh, you know, I appreciate all the compliments. And I think Pete's, Pete's one of my great mentors, Howard. Uh, I want to know, you mentioned some coaches. I want to know, who does Howard Mayo, how, how, who's your mentors that you can go to like today or tonight and say, hey, man, my defense is not working or what? Who, who, are, who do you refer to um, as your mentors now? Well, I, I, I use um... – some of my different assistant coaches where I've left, I've been fortunate a couple places that I left, my assistant coaches became the head coach after me. Okay. 
And I always think getting feedback from them is invaluable. Um, Glenn Burnett at Galax, mm-hmm. he, he's a good guy, does a good job teaching the game. Uh, Angela Mayfield at um, Manny, she um, won two back-to-back state championships, does a great job teaching the game. Those are people I'll go talk to. Um, I had a fella by the name of David Norman, who used to be a girls coach at Star Mount, who passed away about three years ago, unfortunately. But he was somebody who I could call and talk to. And, you know, that's another great thing about coaching, and I've, you've alluded to it already, Coach, is the text messages and the support that we get from each other and hearing what, you know, somebody else thinks about a different viewpoint and realizing that, you know, there's more than one way to be successful at something. It does, you know, just the way Howard Mayo does it doesn't necessarily mean it'll work for Kevin Furtada. It may not, but, you know, Kevin Furtada may find, hey, I like those two things. I'm going to take that and make that mine. Mm-hmm. And, I re- and that, I've really enjoyed our group text messaging. Um, one thing, you were talking about Coach Bruce. I'm looking forward to next year being able to implement um, one of the things he did with his program was where his players would pick a teacher and invite them to a ball game and do teacher appreciation night. And I thought that's a great thing to do because, you know, a lot of times teachers don't feel appreciated and it's a way that we can give back to them. And, but, you know, once again, just hearing what somebody says and applying that. So. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, and I, I totally agree coach, but now we're in a different time because now I know in our case, only family members can come to games. Everybody's got to be six foot. I mean, and it's probably worse in Virginia. But um, what are you doing now? First of all, talk about what are you doing now with your team? How are you creating that culture, trying to get them to buy in? Now, like everything is now is rushed. It's urgent. What are you doing with your team right now, Howard? Well, right now, we first started our first day of live practice on Monday. And um, we're just taking – we had some virtual practices the week before and we're just taking things very slowly. Um, I know it sounds funny. We play on Saturday, but we're taking slow things slowly to make sure that we're doing it right. Teaching our man to man defense, you know, we're breaking it down. We're talking about how we want to play screens, how we want to play picks, how we want to um, defend a good three point shooter different things like that and breaking it down and then applying it within practice. And we've done a pretty good job so far. I can really see a difference from last year to this year based on what we gained knowledge-wise last year. It's not like I'm starting all over again. The players coming back do remember that, you know, it was funny. We were going over our bounds play today. And I was like, oh, I remember this. You know, they got a big smile on their face. They were excited. I said, yep, and we just got to do it, and you go through it. And, and I think what we've got to do, or I know for me, is I've got to be demanding but flexible at the same time. I've got to demand that they give me their best effort. But I've also got to be flexible enough to realize that we'll only have five practices when we play our first game. Mm-hmm. So I can't just go completely crazy if they forget something mm-hmm. because it's been – a whole long time since our season ended last uh, February 
and we had individual workouts in Virginia. We couldn't even do um, any team stuff. When we were doing, when everybody else was doing practices and stuff, we were doing individual workouts. We had to keep six feet apart. We had to make sure that our players were bringing their own basketballs and we were disinfecting them. So, um, and a big thing we try to do with the kids is um, have, and I had my seniors do this already, is we started a thing called Motivation Monday, where they share a quote and say why they play and why this season's important to them. So when we had our first um, virtual practice, one of my seniors did that. And then yesterday, one of my seniors shared another thing. And I think it goes back to what y'all are talking about, empowering the kids so they feel that the program is it's their program. Right. Well, and I tell them, I said, it's your team and it's my program, right. and we need to blend that together and understand that what you're doing is building a legacy. And um, a thing that I do also is in my classroom, and I've not got them hung this year, but I have a picture of every team that I've ever coached, varsity team that I've ever coached. And I can go and pull down one of the pictures and I'll talk to them about this particular team and tell them what the what their record was. But then I talk to them about, hey, this young lady, she's in the uh, mission department at Virginia Tech. Uh, this young lady is a doctorate and is in charge of the CSI department in Charlotte Mecklenburg. This young lady's an attorney out in Iowa. And the kid, what the kids see by that is they realize, oh, coach really does mean that he cares more about me than just what I can do on the basketball floor. And, you know, and it's great. And it's funny. Um, I'll have, um, I'll have one of my former players come by and say something. And my girl at Fort Chisholm will say, coach, man, you just know everybody. I said, I've just been around a long time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I love how you bring the former players in because, um, that's so important that you, you have kept that connection. There's, there's a, there's a, a life rope, right? A lifeline that of a lot of players that have played for you, that's a sign of a coach who really cares. I uh, really believe in that. Hey coach, before we go into your defensive system, because I want to know what you do to teach defense, talk about your overall core philosophy. What are your core beliefs in our program? Ours is row the boat. And we have, we talk about that every day about you know, the energy of the oar, the, the sacrifice of the boat. And we also talk about the compass and what direction we want to go. We talk about that silly stuff all the time. What do you guys believe in? We believe in family. And what I mean by that is we believe that the game is bigger than just the game. And that, you know, with family, there comes good and bad moments. And it's how you work to solve the problems. And, you know, and I use that the example of, you know, you've got that crazy uncle or crazy aunt that it always does something to embarrass you. Well, are you still going to love them and try to keep that relationship? Or are you going to just cut bait with them? And our philosophy is we're going to love you through the mistake and, you know, develop that relationship. And we just do a lot uh, as far as like, I'll send my players um, individual text encouraging them. Um, you know, we'll, Sometimes I'll, I'll take a little three-by-five card and I'll take a particular game and I'll write some goals for each player, what I would like to see them do. 
And then sometimes I share scripture with them from the Bible um, because I'm very big on the fact that when we talk about family, that God is our father and, you know, he loved us so much to send his son to die on the cross for us that I want to make sure my players know that first and foremost from me. And then the other things come in line. And I always tell them, I said, girls, if you don't believe that, that's fine. I'm okay with that. But I don't want to be your coach and you not hear the gospel from somebody. And I know that's sort of a double-edged sword in (laughs) public education. But you know what? If we as teachers don't do that, what a disservice. And like I said, I've never – told my kids, you got to believe this. I just say, this is what I believe, and this is why we're doing these things. So I, I try not to force it on them, but I try to explain why we do that. And why- Man, it's such a pleasure to be on Championship Vision Podcast, one of the premier podcasts for top high school coaches and rising coaches in the game of basketball. My name is Michael Williams, and I'm the founder of the Williams Advancement Agency. WAA is a full-service agency here to assist all coaches at every level to be successful in the position they are now and obtain the future coaching position they're looking for. By the family atmosphere. But, um, and, I, and I use this for the example. I said, God loved us so much that he loves us through all of our mistakes. I'm going to love you through all of your mistakes. Now, there's sometimes I'm not going to like you because of the mistakes. <laughs> sure. and, and I think that's, that's something we all can relate to. But I'm always going to love you. And I think that's important for our kids to know because a lot of them come from broken homes, come from places where they don't have that dependability and they don't have that somebody. I know during this uh, the pandemic virus outbreak and everything, I really tried to make a point of reaching out to a lot of my former players, just checking on them. It could be a Facebook message. It could be a text message. It could be, you know, running into one of them at the store or something like that. Just checking on them, making sure they're okay. Because that's so, so important. And and Coach Acock really said in girls basketball, if your players don't believe you care about them, they're not going to play hard for you. And if you're not going to play hard for you, you're not going to win the tough ball game. They will not do it. Yeah, and, and Howard, do you believe this now? Your family atmosphere, your philosophy will carry over to your system. Like, I mean, right. you want your defense to be a family too. And how do you relate the two? And then, hey, talk to us about how do you build your defensive system? Well, we do it very basic. I mean, we go and we break it down and we start on one-on-one drills. Um such as going what we call the zigzag drill where you take and you're guarding the girl and we do that both one third court and full court. We uh, work on one-on-one guarding the ball. They will throw out the ball. They close out and the offense has three dribbles. You can only take three dribbles. And the girls look at me. I I said, we're not playing one-on-one girls in the ball game. If somebody takes more than three dribbles against a good team, that ball is probably going to be taken from them. Okay. And then we break it down and then we go our two on two things. And we talk about screens and we play screens differently. We open up on some screens in the half court setting. Uh, If we're pressing full court man to man, we will switch guard to guard screens because it's just easier for us to do that. Um, Once we get the half to the half court, 
then we also will do things like we will hedge on a pick. And we call a pick and a screen two different things. And, and the first time I was going th through that with the kids, they always looked at me, oh, catch, that's a screen. I said, no. I said, it's a pick. And let me tell you why. A pick involves the ball. Everything else is a screen. If, it, if there's two people going in screening way, that's fine. But I said, when we play the pick, we play it this way. The screens, you're going to open up and get through. The pick, we're going to what we call a hard hedge. And we won't force the girl around us and give the girl time to get through. Mm -hmm. And especially now is in the game, girls are getting better at shooting the outside shot. If you aren't hard hedging against a good shooter, even if they set us a pick a foot behind the three point line, if she can shoot that ball, she's going to shoot that ball. And, and last time I looked three can beat two most nights. Yeah. For so sure. and then we take, and then we, yeah. and then we'll go in and we'll talk about how we play the low post. And we talk about how we want to be in three quarter position on the ball side. And when the ball goes to the corner, we'll talk about stepping in front and rotating. And we'll always try to keep three fourths of the front. And the reason we do that is if the shot's taken, we won't be in position to fight for that rebound, to spin and be able to box out. If we're completely fronting, they've got an advantage on us on a shot. And I, I just don't like to give anybody an advantage rebounding. And then we'll go and we'll go um, and do shell drill, four on four. And then we can also do three on four defense. And that puts us a person down when we're working on rotating out. And they've got to talk and communicate. And going back to your point is, I, I go back and use that. I said, girls, just like in a family, if we're not, if people aren't talking, people don't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. If we're not talking on defense, we don't know what's going on. So we've got to communicate with each other. And that's a great life skill to be able to sit down with people and communicate. And on the basketball floor, you better be talking to each other or you're in trouble. Yeah, and it's it's loud, purposeful talk, right? It's intentional, right. and that um, and every coach, I'm going to talk to you about how you do that as well, because we all battle with that on the girls' side. Hey, coach, I'm a believer in ball pressure. I, I honestly, if I had one area to teach at the girls' level, what I want, if I was guarding your players, I would pressure your girls to dribble, and that because we feel like in the girls' game, girls can't handle the ball. So our team will pressure you to death, and we work on that all the time. Now, we work on help, but how do you guard? Let's talk about ball pressure. How do you teach ball pressure? We go back to what you're talking about. We do it full court, and we talk about giving help, and, and it varies where the help comes from. A lot of times, if it's the girl who's throwing the ball in, we have them back in a safety position around the top of the key. So if that girl gets around that first person, I'm going over to cut her off because a lot of times your good teams, they may have two players or three players who feel good handling the ball, but they don't have five players who feel good handling the right. basketball. And when you make them throw it to some, you may not get that turnover on that first pass, but when they throw it to that second person who really doesn't want the ball, they're going to throw it away, basically. Absolutely. Talk about technique. Are you um, are you playing space? Um, or are you playing? I call it hand on ball. Uh, are you really pressuring the ball? Or are you playing space? Give me a little space. We normally uh, it depends a lot on our teams. Right. And what I mean by that is 
I've had teams where my starting lineup was um, 5'9", 5'9", 5'10", 6'1", 6'3". We were fairly big. Right. And, and we gave space because we thought with our size, if we could keep you in front of you and get our hand out, and we were going to win the battle of the boards. Um, I've had other teams where we've really tried to be what you're talking about, the hand within the ball, really putting a lot of pressure on, uh, forcing them to put the ball in their weak hand. And I think that's a lot where scouting comes into play. Mm-hmm. I know there's some players who we'll talk about, I'll say, I know that she's right-handed, but she actually goes better left, girls, so let's force her to her right. And they'll look, I said, trust me, if you'll ever notice, she'll take one or two dribbles and it goes right back to that left hand because that's she got comfortable doing that and she's really not grown to be able to exploit what the defense has given her in that situation. And that's where you, once again, Coach, you got a great point is they've got to be talking so we got the rotation and where my help's coming from, where my drop person's going. Because that's very big. Because once you send that help, then you've got to have that girl dropping what we call butt to the baseline and seeing everything else so that when they throw that pass out, the person who's been in help is going to take that pass. But once again, they've got to talk and communicate on that. If they don't talk and communicate, sometimes you have two people going out and covering the ball, and that's where you get in trouble. Yeah, I love that. And that's another area. I mean, close out. Man-to-man defense is hard to teach. I mean, you got to teach closing out and contain, take away the shot. you got to teach them, right? How do you teach closeouts? We teach take away the shot. We take take away the shot, but low hips, so we can take away the drive as well. How do you teach closeouts? We teach closeout. You're going to break down, get in the stance. Your feet are chopping. You're moving. You got your hand out. You're going to force them, and we won't force your baseline. Because then if you're going baseline, we know what we're coming from and what our help is doing. And a lot of times we like to use our next defender to trap the basketball right there. Because if they're driving baseline, and you can cut them off, and you've got that other girl, and they're cut off like this, and you've got the baseline right there. Now you've got basically three people surrounding them. And that makes it a lot harder. A lot of people will say, well, that's their right hand. Well, okay, that's their right hand. But if I can cut you off and trap you, then that's a good thing for me. Because a lot of t- and, and we know this, a lot of people don't like pressure. And a lot of people forget – a lot of people, when they get trapped, what do they want to do? They pick up the basketball. Right. The really good players is once they see the trap coming, they'll pull the retreat dribble back out, and that's when it becomes tough for the defense. Howard, do you – and I'm going to ask Pete in a second here to ask you a question. Um, do you – I mean, we literally – I mean, we're, we don't play pack line, Coach. We're denying, but we're up the line because right. – we want kids to backdoor us, which kids can't pass the ball either. Uh, but we're up the line. I'm certain pack line, you guys are more in the gaps. So how do y'all do yeah, that? Yeah, we're more, we're more in the gaps, more, more in helping. We're going to say, look, um, you can move the basketball. We're going to concede the pass out, but mm-hmm. we're not going to concede the pass going in. And um, especially this year, we're not a very big team. So we really got to make sure that we work hard to keep the ball out of the middle of the floor, out of the middle of the lane. Yeah, absolutely on that. And, and it's not its not what you do. As my friend Gene Durden says, you probably know Gene Durden from the messages. Oh, yeah. 
it's how you do it, Bubba. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's how you do things. He always tells me that. Coach, it's how you do it. That's important. Coach P, talk, uh, do you have a question for, uh, uh, for, for Howard? Yeah, just a comment on um, pushing people baseline. You know, when I first grew up coaching, that was you never let anybody go baseline. And then um, Jerry Tarkanian came along and uh, kept calling fouls because trying to get the baseline, you know, cut off. And he started trapping on the baseline. And then remember the guy from Davidson? No, uh, David Lipscomb College. Don Meyer. He's Don passed Meyer. away now, but um, he sold more videos than anybody in the country. Glad right, you. that's right. I talked to him on the phone once, and he said that when, the, when they started trapping the baseline, like you're talking about, he said their points per game went up over six points a game. And uh, I think it's a great thing to do. I think the coach from Virginia, if you watch University of Virginia play, don't they trap uh, double the ba baseline? Yes, sir. They sure they do. do. And uh, that thing works. And I don't know why more people don't do it. It'll sure help keep you out of a foul trouble. But I, my thing is, I, I think I don't care what you play, whether it's zone or man to man, I think you have to keep pressure on the basketball, uh, especially when they pick up their dribble. If you watch most, most kids, if, I'm, uh, if they're guarding their person and they're guarding that dribble, the dribbler picks the ball up, what do they do? They drift back instead of what? Coming up instantly with hands on the ball, the passing hand. Yep. And that's a habit, it's a small thing, but I'll tell you now, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Because if you play against somebody that does that to you, when you pick your dribble up, they're right up in your face, just like that, it changes everything. And uh, the other thing is I think, I don't know if you're aware of Vance Wahlberg, you probably are. I the driving kick, he sort of made it popular. Uh, I, we were doing the driving kick in the 70s. I hate to admit I coached in the 70s, but I did. And um, he has a system where he has uh, on defense, and I think that the best thing he does is his defensive videos, but where he divides the court up in four parts, quarters. And wherever the ball is, so the ball's in the middle half, everybody's in the middle half. If the ball is on the outside quarter, everybody's on the outside half. Now, it seems a little complicated, but it's not. And his thing is this. If you can get your kids to be in the quarter they belong in for 25% of the time, he says, you'll win the basketball game. And that sounds kind of crazy, but I'm telling you, I love that division because all my life we were taught you divided up into what? Three things, right? The middle and the two outsides. But, uh, but those, those defensive things you're talking about, uh, Gene Durden, what coach talked about a while ago, they always say, well, you can't play a pack line defense and run and press. Well, ask Gene Durden if you can, because that's what they do. They play the pack line, but they press full court the whole game, a half court and full court. So many coaches make a big mistake when they say, you can't do this and this. No, most of the time it's a, not a either or, it's a both and. It just depends on what you want to do and how you want to teach it. And, but uh, I know this, I go back again to the thing is, I just like to play with no free dribbles, no free passes, and everybody's gonna rebound. And I'm gonna send four people to the offensive boards and five to the defensive boards. 
and I'm going to be emotionally involved in rebounding and defense. If you don't have great emotion with those two things, you're going to be mediocre. And the other thing I want to ask you about, do you remember Sonny Allen at yes. Old Dominion? Yes. Thank you. Now, at least you <laughs> And uh, I, I don't know about you. Do y'all run the numbered break? We used to. <clears throat> When I first started coaching, now we just talk about getting spots. And and it doesn't, you know, okay. we've, got, we've got two or three kids can, who can handle the ball. We talk about, okay, if you're not handling the ball, you need to get out and get down the floor to put pressure on the, the defense. You've got to get them back. And then we talk about somebody run the rim for us, keeping their head on the rim. And then – when the ball picks aside, them going hard and low block. And then we do some things similar to, um, you know, I always think that probably uh, Dean Smith did so many different things well on a secondary break. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, there's so many different things that you can do off a of secondary second break, break, whether it be a pick and roll, whether it be a down screen action between posts whether it be a down screen between a post and a wing to get them coming up for a shot you can do some different things and that just allows the kids to develop a feel for the game and you know if you have confidence and you you all know this if you have confidence and you come off and you've worked hard and you got a good shot i want the kid taking the shot for sure and i you know yes i when we put in the – we call it the spread attack. When we put that in the first year, somebody laughed, and he said, your kids don't look like they um, mind taking a shot. Well, I said, I want them to feel confident shooting the ball. Because if you don't feel confident shooting the ball, you're more likely to make a mistake. Now, you got to know your role, and you got to know, okay, this isn't my shot. But, you know, what coach says, that's my shot, so I've got to get to that spot where I can shoot the ball. Exactly. Howard, now, hey, since you, hey, we're going to transition. We're going to fast break right into your offense now. All right, if you don't mind, hey, hey, spread attack. Talk to me about it, man, because we run an open system too as well. A lot of threes. We rerun and gun. But talk to me about your offense. How does that transition from your defense? Well, I think it transitions because you're, when you create a turnover, kids like to get out and run. Everybody likes to look for an opportunity to score. And the spread attack is exactly that. And that's why I tell the kids, I said, we're spreading the floor so we can attack them. And when we get people rotating, then, and y'all know this, girls, and we'll talk about it. I said, it's that first rotation, everybody's good. But think about how often we mess up on our second and third rotation. And, and a couple of them, you'll see their heads duck. And I said, don't get upset. But I said, other teams have the same problem. You want to make sure you create good spacing. And it goes back to just developing a feel for the game. I know growing up, we would just go out and play basketball. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't see that as much in today's society. Everything's got to be so structured. And I, I hate that because I think that you truly lose the ability to just go play the game. And sometimes it's your best off, your best defense creates a quick offense. Somebody running down the floor, you're hitting them for a layup. Somebody, you're throwing it in, everybody goes digging in, they kick it out to the post, they make what we call the one more pass when the girl comes closing out, and somebody gets a wide open shot. And that's, it's fun because it's exciting when the ball moves and everybody's touching it. 
and I and the kids really buy into that, um, and they like playing at a faster tempo because hey, I'm working hard. And what you got to get them to buy into also is if I'm running up and down the floor, I'm expending a lot of energy. There's times I'm gonna need to come out and take a break, right. and let my teammate come in. And I tried to explain to them. I said, now girls, when you go to these college games or you go to these NBA games and stuff like this understand you're looking at professional athletes that's or in college you're looking at highly trained athletes i said and when they have one of those tv timeouts that's like three or four minutes long <laughs> exactly right i, I would said, love that no actually yeah. i don't want that <laughs> yeah when we get a timeout you either get a 20 second timeout or a minute and the official points that scorekeeper as soon as it goes and he's hitting that thing and you get a minute if you're lucky. <laughs> so you got to get the kids buying into the fact that, hey, there's yeah. going to be times I'm going to have to come out of the game to get my legs back under me so I can be effective. Right. Hey, talk about your, your fast break really quick. I mean, do you – and this is what I – I mean, I, I teach our players, hey, if you're open, you shoot it. Because if you don't, kids are not going to shoot it, particularly girls. Now, are you looking for a quick three or are you looking for a little inside, inside, you know, inside out? Well, once again, it goes back to how my kids are. This year, we'll probably look for a quick, quick three. We've got two or three, four kids who, if they get a three-point shot and they're open, mm -hmm. I want them feeling confident, take it. But we talk about this. If I don't, have the green light to shoot the three and I'm open. Let me go attack the basket and get everybody moving so I can kick out to somebody who can shoot three. Or if I attack the basket, nobody steps in front of me, which happens, I can shoot a layup. You know, and it goes back, you know, Vance Wahlberg, when I started studying him, I love what he talked about. He said, you know, they want to get layups, free throws, and three point shots. Mm -hmm. And if you do those three things, you're going to be pretty successful. And I agree, but you've got to have the skill to do that. And you've got to know what you're and getting the kids to understand what they can and cannot do. Well, if I don't shoot the three particularly well, then I need to know that. Okay. I catch it, but I handle the ball pretty good. I can go attack the basket, but I've got to be under control. And that's where creating that family atmosphere, the, willingness to go in attack and kick out create an opening for your teammate it's not about you scoring it's about your team being successful right howard do you spread are you i mean i know it's probably based on your personnel uh because we play a four out and five out my big girl comes out and we're five out but i and we actually play hope she's not listening to this we actually play better sometimes with my small team because we move the ball better but sometimes with my big 6'2 girl, we're always looking inside, slows us down. But um, it, so it's a nice. Hello, my name is Coach Charlie Miller, Headmaster Trainer with the TAC Basketball Academy in Dallas, Texas. I'm here to promote the upcoming Championship Vision Podcast Clinic Series brought to us by Coach Kevin Furtado from Lake Oconee Academy in Greensboro, Georgia. Coach Furtado is a well-respected, sought-after coach and found other coaches like him to share their best practices and secrets to success with players, parents, and teams. The clinic will provide two types of virtual clinics, lecture style via Zoomcast and on-court instructions with coaches and players. Again, my name is Coach Charlie Miller from Attack Basketball Academy, 
where we work with kids from third grade through high school in a positive and growth-oriented atmosphere that promotes a whole-body approach to well-being. Our programs are designed not only to improve your child's ability on the court, but also to teach him or her valuable skills that will serve them throughout their lives. Nice problem to have, though. So are you, what, what are you, four out, five out, or, or how, how are you all doing what, it this year? Well, this year we're going to be four out, except when, well, we've got one post player. When she goes out, we're going five out. Right, right. And, and then, you know, there's some different, and it goes back to, once again, talking about knowing your kids and why I may not be a great outside shooter, I can attack the basket well. Well, I may be a great outside shooter, and they're going to really close out hard on me. I can drive and attack. Somebody's going to help out. I can kick it to my teammate and share the ball. The five out really does, as you're talking about, Kevin, it really does a great job of sharing the basketball. Mm -hmm. That's the biggest thing is getting the kids to believe that it's okay if I don't score 20 points. If I score three points and I have five rebounds and three steals and my big one is charges and I have a couple charges, I've had a great ball game. We do a thing where we reward our team. If our team gets a couple charges, we knock off our some of our conditioning the next day. Sure. Because the kids are like, yeah. It's amazing what they will are willing to sacrifice to get out of that conditioning sometimes. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Hey, give me uh, – We, I mean, we work on charges. Matter of fact, last couple of days, uh, we have one girl that is – she's like a charge machine. I mean, she t- she'll take a charge against a referee if the referee comes too close. I mean – but how do you teach it, and how often do you teach it? Because you don't want injury. Right. Um, a- actually, we're going to hit it on Friday before we play on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, we teach it where we do a full-court drill, and you, we put them on each corner. And we'll say go. And the girl who's looking to draw the charge will sprint to the opposite block. And the girl on offense is just going in to go shoot a normal layup. And they play through the contact. And, you know, we talk about getting our knees bent, being in good guarding position, knowing how to fall. So we make sure we – I tell girls we want to fall on our butts where the good Lord gave us plenty of cushion. Okay, (laughs) that will be the easiest way to absorb it. it. And that's a big thing because if we get them taking charges, then they're doing that for their teammates. And, you know, that's to me it's a great play because, one, you you get a foul on the other team. Two, you take away what they thought was a sure scoring opportunity. And, three, it really energizes your team because anybody can take a charge. That's just a courage play. It doesn't mean – you know, you don't have to be exceptionally quick. You know, a lot – and we also will do a drill where we do – they'll be both at the blocks underneath the basket – and we'll roll the ball out. The one girl will get up, will run and go get the ball. The other girl will wait till she gets the ball. She's at the other block, and then she'll drive to the basket and she'll slide over and look to draw the charge that way. We do that probably um, once a week. Mm-hmm. First, you know, first little bit in the season, and then it'll depend on how our season's going. If I don't think we're taking enough charges in the game, we try to draw more charges in practice. Because I said, girls, we're going to draw charges somewhere. I'd like to see you draw them in the ball game Because after you get them to understand the concept of it, it's really just an effort thing. 
the willingness to give up your body and sacrifice to take that hit. Yeah, and you so. have to practice it, right, Coach, because uh, it's courage. I right. mean, you know, because if I have a little girl, which we do, we have small girls, and they're, they have, you know, they're going against like a, you know, 175, 200-pound girl, that's courage, right. man. Uh, but you've got to practice that contact. Do you think enough coaches practice contact? Because we, I mean, we, we really hit each other in practice, and we, we teach our girls how to play through contact, like you are saying. Right. Well, I, I think that's a big thing. You've got to do it. And, you know, we've been known to say, nope, and you'll do it, and we'll say, go back, do it again. Mm -hmm. Go back, do it again. And, you know, and sometimes we've been known to say, okay, girls, if we don't start doing this better, we're going to grab a basketball, and we're going to go do conditioning, and then we're going to come back and do it. And I'm big about that is I learned that from Phil Martelli, who used to be the coach at St. Joe's. St. Joe's. And I never really thought about that, but he said, why not – work on your ball handling when you're doing your conditioning. Sure. He says that way the players feel like it's not punishment, but they're getting benefit of that. And as I thought about that, I said, you know, that's exactly right. And since we went to the ball sprint mentality, it has made our practices much better because the kids don't dread running ball sprints because they know, hey, coach is trying to get us better at handling the basketball because we've got to handle the ball because teams like to press, they like to do this. Plus, we're getting in shape. It's a you you gain you're killing two birds with one stone, as the old saying goes. Yeah, I love that. Of course, maybe I'm old school, but hey, when I'm upset with them, we don't do a ball because they, they know I'm upset. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, so we we send a message sometimes, right, Coach? Hey, before you go, I just have some final questions, and then Pete's going to ask you a final question. Um, talk about this season. What are some what are some teams that you're looking to beat and what are some areas of concern that you have and some areas of improvement you're looking at? I want to talk about your team. So what are you looking at for this season? Hopefully you'll play some games, hopefully. Right. Well, we're, we're hopefully playing. We're Virginia cut down our season. We're going to play 14 regular season games. Okay. Okay. Um, we hope we're going to get all 14 of them in, but we've got to get them in from now until the first week in February. Mm -hmm. So you're talking about three game weeks and maybe a four game week somewhere along the way. Right. So one thing is I hope we get all of our games in. As far as uh, we're actually in a unique situation, we're a 2A school in a 1A league for one more year. We have 1A numbers and just reclassification wise, we just didn't get bumped down like we need to. And that's, that's no problem. I mean, 1A and 2A girls basketball, if you're good, it doesn't matter at that size. 1 or 2A, it's going to be pretty good. Mm -hmm. In our league, uh, we have George With, who's a very good team, who um, will press a lot and will cause us some problems with their athleticism. Um, they have a Division One girl who's going to ETSU, who I think will cause um, mm -hmm. uh, some people some problems. They have some great shooters. They, they move the ball well, and they're well coached. Um, and then you've got – I think we have some good coaches in our league. Galax, who's well coached. Uh, Grayson, who's well coached. Bland. All the teams in our league, I think, are pretty well coached. So that's a challenge there. Um, when we get to the playoffs, it's an all-in version this year. So everybody in our region – in Virginia, you have different regions for each classification. We have four regions. 
And in our region, 2C, all 12 schools are going to be in the playoffs. All right, great. No. And, and, and just when you lose, you're done type situation. Yeah. yeah. And um, we've got some very good teams like Floyd County, who's won multiple state championships. Um, we've got a Martinsville team that's very athletic. We've got some um, other schools that are very tough in our league. Um, well, you know, Joe coaches Larray up there. He'll mm -hmm. be a tough team up in his, his region. We're not in the same region. But um, that's, that's what we're looking for. What we're hoping this year is I'm hoping that we get over the 500 hump you know, have a winning season and then go from there and build off that. We've got a couple seniors who are, you know, doing a nice job trying to lead by example. Um, then we have some um, good underclassmen who are working hard. We just got to get a little bit skilled. For us to be successful, we're going to have to defend well. And we're going to have to knock down some three-point shots mm -hmm. and we're going to have to make foul shots. I, about every coach you probably talk to that would tell you the same thing. But I think, you know, I think if you do those three things, you'll be pretty successful. And I want my kids to feel like they've got that confidence that we believe in them. So, right. Yeah. You got a tough battle coach with those 14 games, but I think, don't you feel like now, um, like in the NBA, they talk about, you know, they play so many games. It's like cutting the fat off. It's like, you got to get right to the point. In 14 games, you better start playing well early, right? I mean. Right. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. I mean, that's, you know, we play Saturday. And I want our kids to be excited about Saturday. And then we'll play a couple games next week. And then I think the following week we have three games. Right. Maybe a fourth game. We might play a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. That So, I mean, it's, a, it's an NBA-like schedule. And we're going to have to embrace the philosophy of coming in and doing some walkthroughs and talking right. about our opponents a little bit. And, you know, we're trying to do all this. See, right now we're still in virtual school. See, our students aren't even on campus except to come practice. Right, right. So that, that may change. You know, I think a lot of it's going to depend on how quickly they get the vaccine out. So I know y'all probably going to school every day, aren't you? Well, it's choice. And like in Atlanta, where there's higher COVID numbers, uh, they're, still, there's, they're still online virtual. We're a combination where we are. So we have virtual and mostly students on campus. So, um, and I just, I love what we've done here in the state is we allow counties to make up their own mind, but the Georgia High School Association says, play ball, but these are the restrictions that you have. I love that. I mean, I, I don't understand some of the states that are just saying no play. Yeah. Oh, I agree. I mean, you're taking away kids' opportunities to go play a game. And, you know, my son, who was a senior last year, lost his senior year in baseball. Hmm. Right. And, and, and as we go back and look at things now, we probably should have not shut down when they shut things down, everything, so quickly. They probably should have been able to go to school for another month or so and Boy, that would have been nice for him to have some glimpse of a season. He had one at bat in a um, yeah. in a scrimmage game. That was his senior year. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, for a kid who lo loves a sport, don't get an opportunity to do it one time. And that's what we're trying to sell our kids is on the protocols, make sure that we're following the protocols 
right. so that we don't hit the pause button. Because if you hit a pause button for us, that's two weeks. That could cost you six games. That costs you almost half of your season. Yes. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, you got to be so careful. No doubt about that. Coach P, um, hey, you have a question for Howard. Um, first of all, we, we really gained a lot of wisdom from what he's doing with this program. Coach P, any final words for Coach? Yes. Yeah, um, the reason Kevin says that they sometimes play better when the big girl's out is because they're usually ahead by 30 when he takes her out and they look so good. So don't <laughs> let him tell you they're better with the big girl out. Oh, She's man. all region. She jumps about this high, but she <laughs> can play. So anyway, oh. but Kevin's team now is, I think they're ranked number four in the state, like we said, but uh, no, I always like to have one of the bigs in there. That's uh, I like, I like those good big players. But, no, I've, I've enjoyed talking with you. You're right on the, the money with everything you've said. And um, the only thing that I guess I'd have to – you talked about Dale Harris. Did you know him personally? No, I, I never got Did a chance you, to meet him. You know, he – I got – go ahead. He, he had four or five – offensive philosophies are sort of principles that they run their offense by. And I've always wanted to find those because I heard them mentioned somewhere, but I've never been able to, to find that. So if you ever find that, let Kevin know and, and we'll talk about it some more. But uh, no, I, I just would encourage you to go back to the number break. <laughs> I'm a big fan of that thing. And uh, defense and win and rebound, you're going to probably win a lot of games. You're going to probably win a lot of games. And uh, But your stuff about relationships, I want to tell you, if every young coach, if you want to help a young coach, you tell them how you build relationships. You kept, Kevin does it just almost identical to what you do. But they, some reason, the young guys leave that out, don't they? That they just do, and they, they have a lot of knowledge, but they don't have wisdom. And wisdom is knowing what to do with what you know, when to do it, where to do it, and who to do it with, so to speak. But, uh, man, I've enjoyed talking with you, and uh, you got a bright future there, and I know your girls are going to do well. Thank you, Coach. Howard, thanks again for coming on the podcast. I learned so much. Uh, I'm always picking up different things that you're doing. Um, I love what you're doing. You're spending time with your kids. And hopefully this year you can, you can continue that because I think that's vitally important. Uh, and I, you're probably the type of coach, Howard, that will take a kid off to the side during a practice and say, hey, man, I love how you're working. Um, I love how you're doing that. And I think those are, particularly in the girls' game, isn't that really important for building relationships? It's not all about the one-on-one -on -one visits. Oh, most definitely. And I think it's very much – you know, just letting a kid know, hey, you're having a great practice day, really like what you're doing, liking how you're doing this particular thing, and them just knowing that you believe in them. And then I've also found it to be helpful is um, going along with that is I try to make sure I brag on them on their academics. Mm -hmm. You know, I sent when I took over at Fort Chisel, you know, talking about the great group of kids I had, um, our first semester, 
we had 11 players and we were on a four by four, which is, if you don't know what that means, that's four classes in one, one semester, which means we, with 11 players, we had a total of 44 grades. Those kids, those young ladies, kids, those young ladies did a great job. They had 40 A's and then four B's. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were just super smart. And I had just sent each of them a little thing saying, hey, and I picked a particular class. I said, I really think you're doing a great job in this. And they just came to, they, they said, Coach, that just meant so much to us. When I sat down with my seniors, they said, you just caring about how we're doing in our academics. I said, well, I know. I said, I, I'm intense when it comes to basketball, but I do know there's more important things than basketball. But as I tell them, I said, now, when we're on that floor, there's nothing more important than basketball. And I think that's something, that's right. being able to block out things. I know um, one thing that I, different places when I've come in, I've just said, look, we don't have a cell phone out there in practice. And some different coaches have, you know, maybe allowed them to go check messages. And I said, we don't do that during practice. Mm -hmm. I said, I, and Coach Aycock will appreciate this. I said, many years ago, when I went to practice, mom and dad would wait till I got home when they would want to contact me. They didn't have to send me a test, text message and expect a response. I said, you know, that's our time together. That's our time to build. That's our time to get better. And I think one thing that we struggle we face in our societies, we have so many different things that are pulling at us that we need to be able to say, hey, this. And we talk about no cell phones like before a ball game that, you know, you just cut it off. I said, mom and dad, if they need you, can come over and talk to you. I said, but, you know, this is your time to bond with your teammates, to spend that time together. I said, you know, all that other stuff, it'll still be there. But part of the thing is because of our society, we live in an instant gratification society where people got to think they got to have that answer right then. You don't have to have it right then, you know. And getting them to understand, no, take things slowly. But I think it goes back to being able to take time away from your cell phone and to actually develop relationships with the kids. So I really appreciate y'all guys letting me be on here. I've learned some great things from y'all. I learned that Coach Acock is a great historian of the game of basketball, especially <laughs> when it comes to Old Dominion. Okay. No doubt about that. <laughs> And, and he like he wants to make the big make sure the big girl gets the ball. So that's exactly. right. Hey, that's right. And and, and um, coach, I just listen. I, I been, Kevin, I'd like to say one thing before we go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Billy Graham said a long, long time ago, and um, I've always held on to this. He says that a coach in one year will do more influencing of young people than the average person will do in their entire lifetime. And that is so true. So you will never have to wonder if you've invested your life into something that's worthwhile. And uh, I would always uh, encourage you to keep doing what you're doing. And I've enjoyed talking with you. Well said. Great finishing words by Coach Acock as usual, man. 
Howard, how, how can we get a hold of you? Because I have a lot of listeners from around the country who just want to come in and, and, and get better. What's the best way to get a hold of you? Facebook, Twitter, email? Yeah, you, you, I, I'm on Facebook, of course. And I'm just Howard Mayo, and you'll see a picture of me and my family. Um, Twitter, I go by Coach HM. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I keep things real simple. The, the simple part of me, you know, just um, I'm on Instagram, social media, and I think that's important because I think that's where the kids are and being able sure. to talk to them. And I use, um, I'll use an example. Um, we talked about the young lady who was a cheerleader who ended up losing her scholarship because of something she posted on social media. Right, right. And, and we talked about the importance of making sure whatever you put out on social media, you need to be proud of, whether it's five years from now or five minutes from now. And just remember that. Um, they could contact me that way. They could contact me through my school email, which is howard.mayo at with. And that's W-Y-T-H-E-K-12.org. They can contact me that way. I'll be happy to sit down and talk with you. I love the game of basketball. I love talking different things. Um, I love the X and O part of it, but also love the relationship part of it. Um, I really like, Coach, and I'm probably going to pick your brain a little bit more about the or. Rowing, doing your part. And I, I like that. <laughs> you, I, I think of the time I went um, whitewater rafting up on the um, upper, not, up in Tennessee. And they talked about people who actually use the oar and then what they call lily dippers who just barely touch the, and I think you probably have some good information to share about that. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. And it's a good visual for, we actually carry it. We're the only team that carries an oar to the game and we bring it out to our warm-up. We have the girl coming out with an oar during our warm-up. Okay. <laughs> but we, hey, hey, it's what we believe in, man. I mean, and uh, the kids love it and they really believe. Uh, it kind of brings our team together. So we, we really believe. Uh, but Howard, man, we really believe in what you're doing, Coach, and I appreciate everything you're doing for the game. And let's get some more Virginia coaches on the podcast. I agree. I, I think this is, I appreciate you, Kevin, sharing the game and sharing the podcast. I've started going back and listening to those. I wasn't even aware of that. And I'm going to make sure that some of my other coaches and friends know you want to know some great things about basketball and great things about how to make your program better and build better relationships. There's some great people out there. Absolutely on that. The high school coach is probably the yeah. best teachers of the game, not the college coaches, the high school coaches. I don't think we use them enough to gain knowledge. Right. I would agree. Because the really good ones are invested and they're teaching the kids about the game of basketball, but also about the game of life. So true. So true. Well said. Coach, thank you so much. Hey, I'm going to be following you this season. Um, make sure you keep me posted on how you guys are doing, all right? I sure will, Coach. Thank you so much for having me tonight. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Howard. Take care. Take care, Kevin. This is Mike May, creator and owner of Practice Planner Live Software. I'm excited about partnering with Kevin Furtado and Championship Vision Podcasts. We share a common passion of helping basketball coaches be more effective in their profession. With over 26 years of basketball coaching experience, 
I created Practice Planner Live with the purpose of saving coaches valuable time in creating efficient and effective practice plans. John Wooden once said, if you fail to prepare, you prepare to fail. Practice Planner Live can take your practice planning to a whole nother level with tools and functionality that will maximize your team's ability to reach their potential.